We'll be in Psalm 2. And I, <laughs> Amen. I know specifically even in our own midst, in this congregation, I know that there are at least a handful of people who enjoy making connections between God's people in the Old Testament and God's people today, uh, but also people who just love historical connections and to love to really think about our nation today and what's going on in the nation today. Uh, What's going on in churches in our nation today. And with Independence Day quickly approaching, I know that this nation is is at the forefront of many an individual's mind. And I do think when we look back at the heritage and the, the history of our nation that we have plenty, plenty to praise God about and to be grateful for and to be thankful for. And we ought to, to do that. I mentioned earlier that many of us have probably seen the American flags waving all over the place. Uh, throughout Glenville at various establishments, but also just people's homes, putting their American flags out on full display. And I know that for many of us, I'm only 32, and even for me, this is mostly true, that many of us, when we see the American flag or when we hang our own American flag in the yard or we see them flying about town, our mind goes to one of two things. What we know America used to be or we, we see the flag and we think about what we wish America was today. We typically don't look at the American flag and beam with pride about the state of our nation today at the present moment. Typically when we have conversations, especially as believers, when we have conversations about the state of our nation today, it has more of a, a downward trajectory. Meaning that we say things like, well, never in my lifetime did I think I would see fill in the blank. Or never in my lifetime did I think we would have churches that supported fill in the blank. Or you may hear things that are basically just posed as uh, as an inquisitive. You know, how in the world did we get to the point where this is acceptable? Or how in the world did we get to the point where preachers will actually preach... Fill in the blank. So it's just posed as a question. How did we get here? How in the world did our nation get to this place? Sometimes the question is more along the lines of, and this is more so where we're driving at this morning, how can we do our part to the best of our human ability, to the best of our ability as believers... How can we do our part to fix the problems in our nation? How how can we do our part to, to solve these issues? And much like we discussed last week, we think about God's judgment and the fact that God is going to judge. And when the Lord returns, He returns as a judge. And we may ask ourselves, well, how do we respond? What is our part? What should we do? And it's still the same. We as believers today have a charge, a call in our lives that we are to stand for the truth. And God is truth. 
And so much like last week, these two sermons kind of go hand in hand in, in a way. But I want to say at the outset again today, as I go through this sermon, as we go through Psalm 2, your mind may be tempted to go in one of a million directions. Please do your part as you listen to, say, to stay focused specifically upon what we're discussing this morning. And to stay focused on the fact that as believers, we have a very clear directive to stand for truth, proclaim the truth. And that the most simplistic way that we can do that is simply by pointing others to Christ. And teaching others that which Christ taught. Telling others of Christ and who He is, what He has accomplished, the gospel of salvation. And we stand and we do that. And we do that day in and day out. And day in and day out. And we stay the course. It's not one of those things where it's a quick fix. Where, well, okay, we're going to do this and in six months we're going to see a great turnaround. We're going to do this and within one year we're going to see a great turnaround. Hey, if God wills it, then that's exactly what we will see. But if you look even at Scripture and you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, you look at the apostles of the New Testament, you look, you look throughout early church history, and what you see is men, God's people who are staying the course, preaching and proclaiming the truth, and nothing really happened overnight, as it were. Many people were martyred as they stood their ground and stood in the faith. Many people stood for the faith and proclaimed truth their entire lives and maybe perhaps died at a good old age. But they didn't really see change or see the fruits of their labor in this lifetime. And so it may be with us. But when we look at the current state of our nation, we ought to have a firm conviction that as we go out of those doors and as we leave our homes each and every day and as we live our lives each and every day in our communities, that as a believer... There is no higher calling in our life than to glorify God in all that we say and do. And when we interact with others, and when others hear us speak, and they see us live our lives, that we are standing and proclaiming and honoring and obedient to truth, God's Word, and obedient to God through submission to His Word. And this is... Well, those are some of the reasons why I've chosen to put our attention upon Psalm 2. Sadly, many Christians aren't overly familiar with Psalm 2. So we're going to read it again, and then we're going to work our way through each section. But this psalm paints a picture of nations, multiple, that are enraged against God. And that want freedom. But what they want is freedom... From God. Freedom from God's authority. They want to break their bonds. They want to break the chains that tie them to their Creator. And so they're plotting against the God of all creation. And we see His response that He laughs at them. God is not concerned about what the men and women of the world are going to do in retaliation against Him. Because He's sovereign. He can do as He pleases. And there is no plan of man. There are no plans of the nations that can do anything. First and foremost, to take the Lord off of His throne. 
And there is nothing that the nations can do to hinder the plans of God. And so the nations plot and the nations rage and the nations say, let us have our freedom from God. And God laughs and mocks at them. God has already appointed His Son as the heir of all things. Before Christ ascended, He said plainly, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about the most powerful nation on earth. For many of, for, for many of you as you were growing up, that was, a, that was a point of pride. American pride. We're the greatest nation on earth. The greatest militaries, the greatest advancements, the greatest technology, the greatest this... Even if that were true, still true right now of America today, it wouldn't matter. If America said, we are going to break free from God and we are going to take over the world, as it were. God would not all of a sudden become concerned. Oh, America, they're getting too much power. What are they going to do next? God, to go along with the example in this psalm here, it's as if God would sit back and laugh and say, Oh, foolish people, who do you think you are? And have you forgotten who I am? And in many ways, I think all of us would say, yes. I think that America and many other nations in the world, but America has forgotten God and who He is. So let's read Psalm 2 again and then we will work our way through it. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath. And terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. And so we have a picture of the nations raging. We have a picture of God laughing and holding them in derision. We have a clear presentation that God has appointed the Son, His only begotten, as the ruler and the authority over all the nations. And we have a warning to the leaders of the nations. Be warned, O rulers. Kiss the Son lest He be angry with you and you perish in the way. His wrath is quickly kindled. And then He closes the psalm with this. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. It reminds me, in a way, of John three sixteen through 18, where Jesus says, all who believe will have eternal life. They will never perish. Just a couple of verses later, He says, those who do not believe are condemned already. 
The wrath of the Lord is quickly kindled. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Be wise, O kings. Don't overlook this fact that all authority in heaven and on earth rest in the Lord. Be wise. Act accordingly. Do not turn away from that truth. His anger is quickly kindled. But blessed are those who run to Him for refuge. America, I will say this. And you may disagree with this. We can talk later and you can give your reasons as to why you would disagree with this. But when we look out upon the landscape of America and everything that is going on in our nation, I would say rather clearly, America is a nation that is raging against God and the authority against God. America is a nation that is seeking to break all connection and all chains that bind them and have bound them to the authority of God. And you would say, well, those aren't chains that need to be broken. I agree. Breaking those chains and breaking that what they view to be bondage that connects them to the knowledge of God. The fact that He even exists. Because if God exists, then we would need to submit to the way that He has ordained things. We talked last week, we went through Romans 1 a bit, we talked about the fact that all people know that God exists. How, how can we say that with such confidence? Even the atheist, how can we say that they know that God exists? Well, because Scripture says so. What can be known about God has been revealed to them clearly through the creation. Namely, His power and His divine nature. And so we're alive in a nation today that seemingly wants to break away from any knowledge of God. But the thing is, it's inescapable. You can't escape the knowledge of God. It is everywhere. Now again, I don't want our mind to start racing towards every last little thing that we could possibly fathom that is wrong with the world today. Simply put, what is wrong with the world today is what has been wrong in the world since the fall. Sin. Now sin manifests itself in different ways. And in our lifetime, many of us would say, well, this is as bad as I have seen it in America in my lifetime. And that may be true. Nevertheless, there is nothing new under the sun. The sins that are pervasive and prominent within American culture today, they are not new sins. They've always been there. But now they are more celebrated and more embraced and more supported and more promoted than we've ever seen in our lifetime. But do not be mistaken, they've always been there. It's nothing new. But to stay focused and not to drift too far on... Typically on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the book of Genesis. <clears throat> so let's look at just a few things here briefly. The book of Genesis opens with creation. Well, right out of the gate, many of us would say, even when we were in school, we remember that it was becoming increasingly popular, more and more so, that creation, intelligent design, mm -mm. we are taught and we are told that the earth is billions of years old, that we evolved out of nothing, whether it be the, the primordial soup theory or 
any of the other theories that are out there, we are taught evolution. So right out of the gate. God opens up in His Word and says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What our society is taught overwhelmingly is that in the beginning nothing. And eventually, over the span of millions and billions of years, life happened. There is no God in the equation. So we have a denial of creation. We have God creating mankind and He created them male and female. And what we see today in our nation is even a denial of the basic truth of male and female. Not only, not only do we see, oh, well, now we think that there's 70 plus genders. We also have lifestyles being supported where people who think that they are animals are being told, well, you can live your life as a cat. Or you can live your life as a furry. And I wish, I know that some of you are smiling, and I wish I was making that up. But what we've got to understand is this is the world and this is the America that we're living in today. It doesn't, at this point in time, and I want to say this with as much respect and gentleness as I can, but we do have to understand this. The America that you grew up in is not relevant right now. Thinking about the America that you grew up in and just wishing we could go back to that is not how we fight the battle of the America that we're in today. Christians have got to do so much more than walk around saying, well, this isn't the America that I grew up in. Okay, point taken. Get over it and move on to where we can actually do something productive. Because the bottom line is, at present time, right now, as embarrassing as it is to say, and it is embarrassing, as embarrassing as it is for us to say, we live in a society that does not submit to basic truths, not even of male-female gender identification. Furthermore, we will tell people who think that they are animals, not that they are mentally ill, but that they are right and that everybody should conform to them being an animal. That is the world we live in. So now, just tying that back again, coming back to Genesis. God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Creation. We don't teach that. We go with evolution or some other theories. He created them male and female. Well, we deny that. Male and female, that's a social construct. And when you hear somebody say that, they're saying that because in their refusal to acknowledge God, are you hearing me? Male and female didn't come from God because God doesn't exist. So we have to have an answer as to where this male-female identification came from. It didn't come from God because there's no such thing. Oh, so then male and female, that's just a social construct. When you hear things like that, that is evidence and that is proof that people refuse to acknowledge God. There's no way that that came from God. It's just a social construct. God is so forgotten and so neglected in the mind of modern man that we identify God as social construct 
That's just a social construct. Marriage. God created them male and female. Man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. No. Nowadays, it's embraced and promoted that as long as you're in a, and this is what they'll say, a loving, monogamous relationship, that male-male, that makes a marriage. Female-female, that makes a marriage. Non-binary and non-binary, that makes a marriage. Furry and furry, that makes a marriage. And I see the smiles and I, I, I get it, it, it's embarrassing. But we've got to move over the fact that it just makes us chuckle and it makes us squirm. It's the world we live in. Marriage, by definition of God, is one man, one woman, entering into covenant before God for a lifetime with plans and hopes of being fruitful and multiplying and raising a family. That is marriage. You say, well, then, well, <clears throat> do you support the idea that we shouldn't even call male, male, female, female? Do you support the idea that we shouldn't even call that marriage? Yes, absolutely. Because it's not marriage. By definition, it's not marriage. Well, so what does that do? Now, we live in a nation that we're, we're actively trying to undo and redefine God's created order. Creation. We don't, we don't teach that. Male, female. We don't teach that. Marriage is one man, one woman. We don't teach that. So They're all social constructs. It's all just traditions that we need to break free of. How about the roles of men and women? That there are roles that men are meant to fill. And there are roles and assignments that women are meant to fill and walk in. Oh no, we don't teach that. Men and women are capable of the exact same things. They ought to be doing the exact same stuff. We, we ought not hold a woman down and tell her that she needs to be at home raising her family. and everything. That is holding a woman down. Well, the issue there is if we buy into that mentality, we're actually actively fighting against God and what He has ordained in His Word. But we don't teach that. We teach that it's a burden on a woman to have to stay home and take care of her children. That a woman needs to be out in the workforce proving that she can do everything that the man can do. You're not going to find that in Scripture. You're not going to find that anywhere in the Word of God. Oh, well, that's just patriarchy. That's just, that's just misogynistic. Now, on Mother's Day, we talked about it. Every woman, every professing woman who is a professing believer ought to say, I'm a Christian. What does God have for me? What roles has God given me? How has God told me I can honor Him and glorify Him with my life? And every man ought to say, what does God require of me? What has God given for me to do? On a slightly humoristic note, There's a lot of things that men do that women can do. But you hear an argument nowadays a lot that women can do it just as good. I forget what the name of the men's team was, but just a few weeks ago, the, the U.S. women's national soccer team played 
a men's soccer team, and I think the final score was like 11 or 12 to nothing. I'll let you figure out who won. And if you watch the game, it's very obvious that the men are not even really trying. People hear stuff like that nowadays and it makes them infuriated. Well, that's just because of this. this. No, it is because there are things that men are much more capable of doing because of the way that we are made. And it's just a fact. It's basic truth. It's not offensive. It's not controversial. It's fact. It's truth. Because that is how God made things. And we are alive in a society and a nation that refuses to acknowledge basic truth. Basic truth. Family. God's design for a family is father, mother, children. By the way, God's design is for that father and mother to be together in a covenant relationship that is unbroken so that those children have both mother and father in their lives. We live in a sin-cursed world. We see divorces rampant. We see broken families are rampant. But hey, in today's society, that doesn't matter. A single mother, a single father, they can do just as good of a job as if they had their spouse in the pit. No, you can't. No, you can't. Because that's not God's design. In the beginning, God created and God made life. Now we are actually at a point in time where it's as if man is saying, well, we can create our own life. Efforts for cloning are still strong. We have artificial intelligence now. We've got there's even churches. I don't think here in America yet. I think it was Germany, um, but churches that are utilizing just AI sermons, artificial intelligence sermons, letting AI come up with their sermons and preach them on a screen. So God can create life. Well, we can create life too. And I'll leave it there. Because again, I'm just trying to make the simple point that even if you just take the first two chapters in Genesis and you ask yourself, does our nation acknowledge that? 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 The answer is no to all of those. You say, well then, what's the point? Why why is that important? If our nation is rebelling against God and not submissive to God, on basic things like creation and His order, then you can rest assured we are a nation in full rebellion against God. If we refuse to acknowledge that He has created all things, we will not worship Him as the Creator. If we refuse to acknowledge Him as the Creator, then we will not acknowledge His authority over all things. If we refuse to acknowledge His authority over all things, we will recognize somebody else's authority over things. And in our foolishness and in our sin... We will acknowledge our own authority over things and we will put ourselves in the place of God. And we will start to do things like saying, there's not only two genders. We can call whatever we want to a marriage. We can call whatever we want to love. We can call whatever we want to family. We can redefine everything because we're God. We can do whatever we want. 
And you say, Caleb, that's not what's happening. Nobody's walking around saying that they're God. What I'm saying is, look at our actions. Look at the behaviors and the actions and the audacity and the arrogance of the people and the leaders of our nation. What are they doing fundamentally? They're playing God. They're playing God. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Our nation says, you can kill that baby if you want to. You don't have to multiply. We'll kill it. We'll murder it. Fundamentally, at the roots, we are in a nation that is railing and raging against God. At this point, I want to offer a very quick reminder of Babel. We've been going through Genesis. Remember the Tower of Babel? God God told the people, disperse. Fill the earth. The people said, let's build a city, a great city with a great tower that reaches to the heaven. It was a fundamental rebellion against God and what He had said to do. God didn't panic and worry about Babel. He simply, project over. You're not finishing this tower. I'm confusing all of your languages and you will disperse over the earth. And that's exactly what God did. I offer that by way of reminder because even now, with things the way they are in America and with things the way they are all across the globe, God is not concerned. God is not worried. God is not sitting back trying to figure out how He can defeat the plans of man. And I want to be real clear on that. Because some of you might hear, well, of course God's not worried. He knows how to defeat these people. You're right. But I want, to, I want to be clear too. It's not as if He's even having to come up with a game plan. Like, God's not saying, okay, well, America's going to do this, so before they do that, I need to make my move over here. It's not some kind of cosmic chess match that God's got to make sure He's two or three moves ahead of us so that we don't catch up with Him. As mysterious or difficult as it is for us to fully wrap our minds around, all things that take place in our lifetime and all things that will continue to take place and all things that have already taken place were settled by the counsel of God before the foundations of the earth. And that ought to be a great point of hope and rest to our weary souls. Because I'm sure many of us, we grow weary of seeing the state of things in America. We grow weary of seeing the depth of the wickedness and, and, and the vileness that is around us. And we may be tempted to worry. We may be tempted to think, well, how bad is it going to get? How do we respond to this? How do I raise, a, how do I raise children in this climate? How do I raise children in this, in this time in which we're, we're living in America? What do we do? And we may, we may be tempted to get worried and to fret. But when we remind ourselves, when God sees all of this, when God sees a nation that simply says, we will not acknowledge God, we're going to break free from God, we're going to be our own gods, he laughs. As if to say, you stupid bunch of children. You ignorant fools. Oh, God wouldn't say that. God wouldn't say that. God's probably crying and saying, oh, how I wish you would come. No, he laughs. That's not me. That's Scripture. He laughs. He holds them in derision. He mocks them. 
God is not sitting up in heaven and saying, oh, I've done everything I could to get you to listen to me. Would you please just listen to me? Oh, I'm begging you. No, God is not some weak, helpless, pitiful God. He's the sovereign God of all creation. And He looks at nations that are foolish and ignorant and sinful enough to think we're going to break free. And He laughs. And He mocks. And He has appointed His Son. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my King on Zion, my holy hill. Do what you will, nations. I have set my King, and He reigns, and He will reign eternally. And there is nothing that you can do to change that. All of these nations say, we're breaking free, we're breaking free. Regardless of how much they try to fool themselves, they will always be under the sovereign reign of God. And they will always be under the sovereign reign of Christ, the Son, who is the Lord of all. And with that, hopefully we're starting to get a a more clear picture on why it is so foolish. Why it is so ignorant for a nation to say, we will not acknowledge God. God has already given the declaration. God has already said, I have appointed my king. Christ has already said before He ascended, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. All authority has been given to me. Mankind has not been left in the dark. And yet the nations still rage and say, let us us break our bonds. Let us break free from this reign and this rule of God. Foolishness. The Lord will speak in His fury. He will speak in His anger. I will tell of the decree, verse 7, The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That is what awaits the nation's who rage and rail against the authority of God. That is what happens to the nation that that rages and rails against the supremacy of Christ and the authority of Christ in all things. God's wrath, God's fury. Christ will receive all the nations as His inheritance. He reigns even now. But when He returns as judge, as as ruler and judge, there will be breaking with a rod of iron. There will be dashing in pieces like a potter's vessel. There will be complete, swift, full, and eternal judgment. And hear what I'm about to say. That is the message that our nation needs to hear today. And the reason that I said, hear me, what I'm about to say, I know that many of us, we grew up in a time where what was what was pummeled into our head was God is love, God is love, God is love. And when you evangelize, you just need to tell people, God just loves you so much. And if you would turn to him, he would change your life forever. And he just God already loves you the way that you are. If you would just accept Christ as your savior and everything 
What a society like ours needs to hear today is that God's wrath is coming. That Christ has authority. It's already His. And for any nation to think that they are in control of their own destiny is foolish. And it will receive the wrath of Almighty God. Any belief that that we are in control and that we can do as we please is a delusion. It is a deception. The Lord reigns. And He will continue to reign until all enemies have been made His footstool. That is the message that the world needs to hear. Where are the believers? Where are the Christians that are saying to the rulers, local and nationally, where are the believers who are crying out, O kings, be wise, and be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, kiss the Son, lest He be angry with you. Where are the churches and where are the Christians who are shouting and proclaiming that message to the world around us? Well, that, that message sounds kind of mean. I mean, that, I don't want to go around telling people that God's gonna, God will judge them and that God's wrath has come out. That's hard to tell somebody. And that... Look at our nation. A nation that, for the most part, people out there would say, we're fine. Everything's going good. We're fine. We don't need to acknowledge God. We can continue to do our own thing. Everything that we're doing is good. Everything that we're doing is great right now. I don't think we're going to get people's attention by going around telling them, God just loves you the way that you are and if you'll just turn to Him. Not Not because I don't like telling people that God is love, but because when we tell people that, we're not telling them something that's biblical. When we tell people... God loves you the way that you are if you'll just turn to Him. That's not... What? Jesus literally says you must be born again. So which is it? God loves everybody just the way that they are. We've got to be born again. Which is it? Well, why do people have to be born again? Because we're children of His wrath. In our natural state, we are children of wrath. People have to hear the truth. And the truth is... The Lord Almighty reigns. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And the nations will rage against Him and fight against Him and plot against Him. But God laughs. He will break them with a rod of iron. They will be crushed into pieces like a potter's vessel. Judgment is coming. So rulers of the earth... Be warned. Kings of the earth, be wise. Do not turn aside from the fact that Christ is on the throne. Act accordingly. Kiss the Son. Submit to Him. Honor Him. Lest He be angry and you perish in the way. His wrath is quickly kindled. You say, that's... How am I supposed to share that message with somebody? Because by God's grace, there will be, I think there will be many 
Not just one or two here. At the, at the end of days, there will be many who say, how do we escape the wrath of God? What must we do? And we follow up the bad news with the blessed hope and the good news that blessed are those who take refuge in Him. What is the way out? What is the plan of escape for all of this cultural chaos that we find ourselves in? What is the remedy for a society that, that, can't even, that can't even figure out that there's only two genders? What is the remedy to a society that refuses to acknowledge God? What is the remedy to a society that thinks that they can live however they want to live and they're just nothing's going to happen to them when they pass because they might not even believe in an eternity. You just you die, you get put in the ground, and you turn into a tree. What is the remedy? Christ. Christ who was crucified, risen again, and now reigns. Seated at the right hand of God, interceding on behalf of the saints. Christ who will reign eternally. For us as believers, we need to always remember this. There is never a bad time to remind ourselves, but also to tell others, there is never a bad time to proclaim the message that Jesus is Lord. There's never a bad time for that. When you're at work, people talking about politics and everything else, try this one on for size. When somebody starts, oh, what's, look at what's going on in the world today, and I can't believe what happened. This, oh, there, here's what I'm angry about this week. Just look at them and say, hey, Jesus is Lord. Try that one for a conversation starter. Somebody says, well, I can't believe what I'm so angry. Just say, hey, Jesus is Lord. And if they say, well, how's that supposed to help me out? How's that supposed to fix my anger? Say, I'm glad you asked. If somebody's fearful and say, I don't know what this world is coming to. Did you hear what happened last week? Did you hear what happened yesterday? Oh, I saw it on the news and I just hey, Jesus is Lord. Well, how's that supposed to help me? I'm full of fear right now. I'm scared right now. How's that supposed to... I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you why it helps you that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Savior. He is returning. And He's returning as a judge. If we want to help our fellow people, and if we want to lead our nation towards what is right and good then we must lead people to the truth of Christ and we must lead and encourage our nation towards acknowledging the one and true sovereign over all creation. That is how we do it. If you are one of the many who say, well, it's worse now than I've ever seen it, like we talked about earlier. It's worse now than I've ever seen it. I never thought that I would live to see the day. I would agree with you in many ways. Here in America, worse than we've ever seen it. But let me share some encouraging or an encouraging point of view with you to close. Because it is as bad as we've ever seen it, in many ways, witnessing and evangelizing is as easy as it's ever been. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to walk up to somebody and say, there's only two genders because of what God says in Genesis 1 and 2. You don't have to be some great 
marvelous theologian to walk up to somebody and say, that's not a marriage. Because God says in Genesis 1 and 2, He tells us what a marriage is. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to do that. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to go to people and say, Jesus is Lord. Before He ascended, after His resurrection, He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You don't have to be a biblical scholar or a great theologian to proclaim the message that Jesus is Lord. You don't have to be a biblical scholar or a marvelous theologian to tell people that's not a cat, that's a human. You don't have to be some great wise sage of Scripture to tell someone that's not a boy, that's a girl. Right? For many people, that's their excuse. I just don't know enough about the Bible. I always get nervous. I don't feel like I know what I'm talking about. It is as easy as it has ever been. We, as God's people, we are without excuse. We are without excuse if we are going out into the world around us and not speaking truth and standing for truth wherever we go. The nations rage. The nations rage. The people's plot. But just like the psalmist said, they plot in vain. It's already been settled. It has already been settled. They plot in vain. They will not overcome. No one will overcome the plans and the sovereign power of Almighty God. This is the message that we proclaim to the world around us. Calling people to acknowledge and calling people to accountability that Jesus is Lord and every knee will bow either willingly or unwillingly. But every knee will bow. This is the message that we ought to be proclaiming with vigor, with zeal to the nation that we live in. And we should proclaim it with great joy. And we should eagerly tell people His wrath is coming, but blessed are those who take refuge in Jesus Christ. Let's close.